Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Hi, and welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. This week, my guest is Mercedes Samudio, licensed clinical social worker in Huntington Beach, California. She's a parent coach, a parenting coach, host of the Family Couch podcast, and the best-selling author of the book, Shame Proof Parenting. I hope you enjoy the conversation. But before we get started, I just wanted to let local Annapolis listeners know that the Woman Warriors Mindfulness Group for Women starts in September, September 17th. So if you're interested in bringing more mindfulness into your daily life with a bunch of other women, reach out to me through my website, progressioncounseling.com or womanwarriors.com. Click the contact link and shoot me an email. I hope to hear from you and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Mercedes. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Woman Warriors podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate. So I will uh, fully disclose Mercedes and I recorded this conversation probably about a month ago and the sound quality was so bad that we're going to jump in and do it again. So again, I really appreciate your taking the time twice to talk to me, <laughs> but uh, hopefully this time will be a better result. Yeah. So um, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and then also um, tell us what inspired you to do the work that you do with parents. Yeah, so I am an LCSW and parent coach uh, in Southern California, and primarily I work with parents to support them on um, feeling confident in their parenting identity, in their parenting skills, and in themselves in general. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote a book called Shame Proof Parenting, which really explores this idea of finding your unique voice as a parent and understanding how shame affects not just your relationship with your child, but your relationship with yourself, as well as how you see yourself as a parent. Mm. Um, I would say what's got me interested in this work is my own family, just like probably everyone else who's doing <laughs> work in this field. Yeah. Um, and so I was raised by my step-grandmother. So um, I wasn't raised by my uh, biological parents. And okay. our relationship, the relationship with my step-grandmother and I, um, had a lot of complications, in particular verbal and emotional abuse. And mm. I think getting through that and realizing um, – that it was tough and hard for me to get through some of that stuff. I wondered how other people were. And so, of course, I started down the psychology route. And as I was doing a lot of family work, I realized that parents were not always um, as supported as they needed to be in the therapeutic uh, relationship in family therapy or child therapy. And so I started to look into how can we support parents and how can we make them more um, confident in taking care of their children. 
Wow. Wow. Such a powerful start too to go from, you know, sort of working on yourself then to sort of looking outward at what it's like for other parents that have to to struggle with with mm-hmm. parenting in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your book is called uh, Shameproof Parenting, is that right? Yes, yes, correct. So how um, will you define what you see as parent shaming and, and how that impacts parents? I know you touched a little bit about on that, but if you could explore that further with us. Yeah, I feel like uh, parent shaming is any type of statement uh, made to a parent that doesn't really empower them, but instead judges them, condemns them, shames them, makes them feel less than. And one of the reasons why I make it that broad is because everybody kind of responds to advice and to comments differently. And so sometimes we inadvertently end up shaming parents without even trying to because we don't understand how they're taking it. We don't understand always what they do with it uh, once they get the advice. And what I tell people often is, when you're talking to a parent and your first instinct is to quote unquote help them, (laughs) I would say pull back and ask questions, get curious first. And when you ask questions, it stops you from just throwing out your own experience and your own expertise, but it really allows you to understand what that parent is dealing with particularly. Because even though they might have the same age kids and you might be the same age and you might have, you know, everything might look similar on the surface. Mm -hmm. You never know what intricately is going on in the home or in the minds of that parent. And so asking the question, tell me more about that situation. You know, how did you handle that? Do you want you know, some advice on how to handle that. Would you like to hear what I did with my kid at that age? You know, like just asking questions allows you to get into that parent's space and not shame them all the time because now that parent has the space to say, no, I don't really need any help right now. Or, you know, we've already resolved it. I was just talking about it. Or I really do need some help. Can you please share with me what you did? And it gives that parent a little bit more faculty to decide if they want or need that advice in that moment. Mm. And so, you know, with your book, is it is the audience, um, the parents themselves or the people that support the parents? Both. Both. I think it's really important for parents to not be isolated. I think it's really important for parents to see how shame affects them. But I also have heard from people who do this work and who don't have kids or who have people in their lives who they care about, who are parents, they've read this book and said, wow, you gave me so much more insight into what could be happening for my family member or for my friend or colleague that I wasn't always aware of before I started giving them advice and telling them what they should do or what they could do instead. Interesting. Because I know, you know, um, you're sort of expected, I think, especially as a mom, so Mm -hmm. especially for women, that Mm -hmm. you're just going to be a good parent right out of the box. Like you have, you get pregnant, you have the baby, and then you know what to do, but also you do it really well and aren't going to struggle or have problems. Yeah. I think that's a huge issue in the parent shaming world that we assume, and again, especially female identified persons that you are just going to know what you're doing or that you should be having a child at a certain age or that, you know, Mm. I get a lot and just for transparency, I don't have children, but I get a lot because the work that I do in my nurturing and empathetic nature, people tell me, oh, you're going to be such a great mom. Oh, you're going to be such a great mom. And I always ask them, what do you mean by that? How do you know that? 
Yeah. You know, and then there's a lot of hesitation of, well, 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 you know, you're like kids and, da, da, da. and I said, all those things are true. I love kids and I'm very nurturing, but you don't know if I'm going to be able to give that to a child. Yeah. You don't know what things or what barriers are going to come up between me and this child that are going to maybe kind of put me on another path. And so I think we have to stop these generic ideas of, oh, you're going to be such a good mom. Oh, you're such a good dad. Oh, you're going to be so great at it. We don't know. Yeah. And I think we don't really have a framework to understand how does someone transition from having all of these positive qualities, how do they transition that into their parenting identity? How do they take all those positive qualities that we think when they're single or when they're just with their spouse that they'll be a good parent? How do they take that and translate that into what it means to have somebody in your life that you have to care for 24-7, that everybody now is scrutinizing you and judging you on? How do you maintain some of that positivity in those moments, in the, in those um those those trying moments. Yeah. I think we sometimes think it's just going to translate automatically. And it's definitely a process. Every parent that I've ever met has talked to me about this process from knowing child development, being an empathetic, nurturing person to taking all of that um, education and experience and giving it to their child and giving it to this relationship. It's a process. It doesn't just happen by osmosis. Oh, definitely not. And so there's two things that I heard that I want to talk about. So one, that so you don't just know what to do and it isn't right. automatic and especially speaking for myself like if that parenting relationship that you were you know your parents mm-hmm. had difficulty with helping their kids express emotion or understand their volatile behavior and things like that or just being present with their kids, then it's it doesn't just come to you. You have to no. learn it. <laughs> no, I yeah. agree with that 100%. You have to heal. Yeah. And that's something that yeah. I don't think we give parents enough space to do. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I meet parents that'll say, I want to be better than my mom. I want to do it differently than my dad. You know, I don't want to be like them. Mm-hmm. And then I always ask them, what have you done to heal from those things? Whatever it is that you want to be better than, whatever it is that you don't want to do to your kids, have you taken steps to heal from what that is? And you'd be surprised how many parents haven't done that. They just don't want to do it. They know how bad it felt and they don't want to do it. But when you don't take the process to heal, you don't understand directly how it affected you. You might inadvertently take some of that into your parenting identity identity without really knowing it. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I always ask my parents to give themselves space to also heal, especially if you're already doing it. If you're already parenting, it's so important to give yourself space to heal, whatever that looks like, whether it means going to therapy, going to yoga, whatever, doing some more spiritual work for yourself, because it's really going to benefit your relationship when you come up against things that are trying, when your child's behavior gets trying, when maybe hardships come up against the family, those old defenses that you use to survive your childhood are going to come up again in that moment. And you're not, you're not always going to be prepared to deal with it because you're in a trying time. And it's really hard to be logical and thoughtful oh and my gosh. when things are going on in the moment, if you haven't healed from some of that stuff already. Absolutely. It's so easy to fall back into those old patterns of behavior that you learned when you were yep. a kid. Yep. Well, and I th- they helped you survive back then. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Well, and I think too, like, what you said about um, giving yourself space, but also just going back to your whole shame proof thing and not shaming yourself within that moment of not knowing what you're doing or feeling like maybe you're not doing it right. And that's okay. 
Yes. And I think that's the huge part about shame is that when you shame people, it makes them second guess that intuitive nudge that maybe they need to do this or maybe it's time to change this because they're relying on your ideas and your feelings about them. They're not really relying on that internal space Mm -hmm. to really understand, is this something I want to keep doing? Is this something I need to change? Yeah. So parent shaming, I feel like can come from internal sources, like Mm -hmm. we were just talking about, but it also can come from external sources like parents or parents-in-law or friends or family or even Mm -hmm. spouses, I suppose. Yeah. And so one, you know, how do you see that showing up? You know, the, the shame part towards parents, like what are the expectations? What are the assumptions? I know we talked about a few things, but then Mm -hmm. also like, how do you help parents manage that and and heal or or recover or address if the shaming is coming up yeah i think it's really important to figure out what shame looks like for you Um, i said that earlier and and i kind of will reiterate that because everybody doesn't take things the same way so while one parent might think you know what someone said to them was really shaming another parent might think and whatever it rolls off their back it doesn't do anything for them and so i think it's really important to recognize for you number one whose opinion do you care about the most right some of us don't care about our parents-in-laws like whatever they say it's like whatever that's my spouse's parent i don't care about them but Mm -hmm. when it comes to our own family, it really holds a lot of weight, whatever they say to us, right? Right. Some of us don't take any stock in what our friends say. And some of us really hold, you know, to to heart what our friends think about us and what our friends say about us. And even more so, some of us, you know, might not, might have learned how to shield ourselves from those closest to us. But those people, those strangers or those people who don't know us yet, that might hold a lot of weight because we haven't had time to explain ourselves to them. And so I think it's really important to sit down with yourself and say, where do I just internally, just in myself, not even thinking about my parenting identity, where do sometimes I feel the most shame? Um, I think before we talked about as women, right, we live in a world where women are constantly shamed. And I think yes. that translates a lot yes. to uh, our maternal, you know, identities, our, our mothering identities. So as a woman, just as a single woman, you get shamed for the way you dress, the way you wear hair, you know, your body shape, oh, all absolutely. these different things, you yeah. know, that you probably had to deal with for decades before you decide to become a parent. And then realizing how that shame affects how you feel about yourself as a parent, right? And those things really do translate. I've seen that happen so much with moms where their body shame translates into how they feed their children or maybe, you know, their ideas about sexuality and femininity changes how they talk to their daughters about different things Mm. um, because of all the stuff that they've had to deal with. And so it's really important, I think, on the surface, I mean, just at the, at the beginning to say, what does shame look like to me? How do I know when I feel ashamed? How do I know when I'm being judged? And how do I react to it? I think that's the first kind of step. Afterwards, once you realize that, really looking at how can I change that in my environment? Some of that looks like just talking to the people who you feel can shame you if they're, I mean, open to talking. Some of it might look like doing that work on your own with a therapist or a coach or a spiritual leader where you you realize you can't change the people who are shaming you, but you do realize you can change your responses to it. So it it becomes kind of a multi-tiered space with which, if you think about it, once you get into your parenting, it's hard to have space for all of that, oh. right? You're too busy thinking about, okay, I have to make sure everybody's fed and right. sleep and schooled and all these things. That's like really survival have- mode, right? <laughs> right. Do I really have time to sit down and wonder, 
how shame is affecting me. Um, and what I usually tell my parents is this, do it in increments. Don't try to change all, you know, 30, 20 years of stuff in one setting. Mm-hmm. Just really start to recognize where it's coming up. Um, I'm really a huge fan of teaching parents how to journal if they have that time to do that, or even jotting stuff down in yeah. their phones, felt shame at the grocery store today. You know, like just doing stuff like that will give you this log of being more aware of what it feels like, not just kind of going through the motions, but really taking stock of, wow, that made me feel bad. Mm-hmm. That made me feel like I'm not good enough. That made me feel like I'm not doing my best. Yeah. Right. And then when you do have the space to find a therapist or a spiritual leader or some other type of healing modality, you can actually show them and say, so I've been taking stock of this for the past six months, or I've been really paying attention to it for the past year. And this is what I've come up with. And that'll really lay a good foundation for you to start realizing how it shows up for you uniquely. So that way you can create a healing kind of plan for yourself. Um, Hopefully yeah. you can get other people involved who are, you know, in your in your life, a spouse or um, friends or family members. But even if not, you can still learn more about how to take care of yourself, even if those people aren't willing to change or those people aren't willing to do the work they need to do um, to be better at their communication. I feel like so much of the work that I do with individual clients is teaching them to reparent themselves, you know, yes, when they have yes. not had that the best ideal parenting, that journaling and recognizing shame all go hand in hand with that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I'm such a huge focus on parents because I think when we start to teach parents how to be more in tune with themselves and their uniqueness, they have more space to recognize that in their child. So if a parent has never had space to understand their own emotionality, their own thought processes, their own shame, they're not going to know how to help their child through it when their child is dealing with it. And so I think it just becomes that cycle of, my parents didn't know how to recognize their emotions, which led me not to understand mine. So then I grew up without an emotional intelligence and then I become a parent and I do the same, you know, it kind of becomes a cycle because no one stops and says, let's help you understand you. So when you have to care for another human being, you can help them understand themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's, let's learn how to do things differently. Yeah. It's funny when you were talking, some of the things that were popping into my head around, you know, being a new mother and being out in the world um, Mm -hmm. and how our own history of being shamed for whatever it might be, body shape, um, even choosing whether or not to be a parent. But then I was thinking Mm -hmm. breastfeeding, choosing whether or not to do that or some things that used to be hard for me was, you know, thinking back on my parent, young parenting days, which were many years ago. But, <laughs> um, you know, if I ran out of the house without taking a shower with the kids, you know, throwing on my sweatpants and then being at the grocery store, seeing moms who were completely dressed, makeup, hair done, looked so together, I would turn a little bit of that shame on myself. Why can't I get it together like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's a huge piece of not just, I feel like your, you know, your experience, but I think it's even more so more magnified now because of social media. So it's not only just 
I went to the grocery store, I saw this, or I went to the park and I saw this, but I'm just sitting at home scrolling through my phone and I see so many of these beautiful pictures of families at Disneyland and at Chuck E. Cheese and doing all these great things. And look at these kids with their first day of school pictures. And I can't even get my kids together for, you know, even a, a random selfie. Right. You know? <laughs> and so I think sometimes we do that and we don't realize, and I always say this when I'm working with professionals and when I'm working with parents, is no one knows what happened before that picture to get that picture together and as soon as that flash went off no one knows what happened afterwards mm. you know what i mean i've heard um my one of my good friends is a photographer and she says you could you would be surprised the amount of chaos that happens before i get that one good shot and i think it's funny to listen to those kind of stories because right before all that happens the you know the photographer is trying to take the picture and then as soon as she flashes she says a lot of times the kids will break down because they've had to be sitting for so long to take a picture or whatnot they'll start crying they'll start tearing up her set or whatever oh yeah it's funny because she realizes that whatever the family chooses to post whichever one of those pictures they choose to post is never the full story and i take her her anecdotes from her photo shoots with families and i tell people that that whatever families choose to post just like with you and your family whatever you choose to post is never the full story we never know what it took to get that family together for that picture or for that moment or for that thank god and hashtag blessed post that the parent you know puts up there you have no idea why she finally decided to put that up there and absolutely (laughs) oh my gosh important to sit back and remind yourself that I don't know this family's full story even if it's my sister even if it's my best girlfriend you still don't know the full story of what happened before you saw that post on social media and to give yourself space to say, I'm happy that they were able to get that. And one day maybe me and my family will be able to do that. But for now, this is who we are. We are this family, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. we'll get to wherever we're going to get to in our time. Yeah. I, I like to remind clients similarly that even when people are posting mistakes or things they didn't do right, they're posting them in, in such a way that, I learned so much from this experience. It's helped me to grow and be a better person. And so even the bad stuff is being presented in like the most perfect, beautiful way. I agree with you 100%. mm, Social media, that's a whole nother, whoo, huge experience in terms of shaming too i would imagine just like i've seen all kind of posts where people take pictures and videos of parents doing things that the parent hasn't consented to oh you know and things like that where you have to realize that we live in a world now where everyone has a phone and instead of people helping with that phone they're usually taking videos and pictures of each other you know they're not Mm. calling 911 or helping you figure things out and so again that i think that goes a lot into my shame proofing to a parenting because we can't i don't think we'll ever get into a space of our humanity where shame isn't part of it. The way we judge and categorize people just leaves an open door for shaming each other. We decide who's good, who's not, who's yeah. the best, and who's the worst. We decide that at all all the time. And so there's always going to be shame. But what I like to teach my parents is how to shame proof your parenting identity and your parent in your parenting and your family. So what does shame look like for you and your family? And how do we build up our communication? How do we build up our relationship? So when people come against us and things come against us, it doesn't completely dissolve our family, but it makes us more resilient because we understand, okay, you know, little Jimmy gets, you know, upset when this happens. Mom really doesn't like when people do this. Dad really has a hard time when people say that. And we understand it about each other and we can support each 
each other when those events happen, opposed oh, yeah. to attacking each other when those events. Oh, well, you should have been better, and if you had acted better, they would have said that. And oh, I wish you had would be a better mm. husband. Or oh, why can't you be a better mom? Like instead of attacking each other when those things happen, to realize, okay, this affected us. Someone in the family is hurting because of this event. How do we get together and say we're here for you, and yeah. to do that for everybody, not deciding who does who deserves that more, not deciding who was good this week so they deserve love, and who was bad this week so they don't deserve it. But yeah. really realizing that we are a family and people are going to have things to say about how we decide to discipline, how we decide to love each other, how we decide to take vacations or not, how we decide to post or not. Absolutely. Um, you know, things like that. And how do we come together and say, this is us and we're okay with this being who we are. Yeah. Well, I loved what you said at the beginning when helping the people that support the parents to mm-hmm. even ask, like, yes. do you need help? Do you want my help? What is it that you need? Because yes. I think I re- I'm recalling an instance in my own experience, my youngest son, um, taking him to swimming lessons. He had a, d- the reason I took him was because he went through this phase where he wouldn't allow me to, you know, wash his face. Like he didn't want water on his face. So I was like, well, maybe if we get him in the pool, that'll ease some of that stress and anxiety and help him feel more comfortable in water. And the swim coach that, you know, teaching two-year-olds, three-year-olds, maybe she's like, you know, you really ought to look into this book called Raising the Difficult Child. And I remember thinking, wow, I, one, I didn't ask for your advice. Two, you're labeling my child the difficult child. And three, you are shaming me about the parenting that I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, whew, I can, it still comes back to me like, wow. But, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it's, I think that side of it is like that the people that are supporting you, it's important to know if that parent needs help or is asking yes. for advice. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, we all come from families, so we all have ideas about how a family is supposed to look. We all have wounds and trauma around our, what our family didn't do for us. And so I think that becomes the hardest task when yeah. we're out in the world trying to support other people or be there for other people is we think if I tell them this, it'll stop them from doing what happened in my family. It'll stop them from doing what my mom did to them. Um, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of self-reflection that has to come in before you can be curious about people realizing that, you know, uh, your family isn't mine. So even though I see you doing things that might scare me or worry me to still ask before I decide that, Oh, she's acting just like my mom used to act or, Oh, he's doing exactly what my dad used to do. Oh, I remember my son did that. He's going to turn out just like my son (laughs) to that, you know, mindset to really step back and say, this is a different family. You know, how can I help them? What can I do? And how can I just ask, do you need some help? Or, you know, I went through that with my son. Would you like to hear what happened, what we did, you know, and things like Absolutely. that. To just ask yes. and, and not just to decide when I see something that I know immediately what's going to happen next because I experienced it or I saw it happen in my life. I think that can be helpful from the other side of it, too, saying, OK, well, maybe something happened to them that they felt the need to come forward and give me this advice. Mm-hmm. But this advice is coming from their story, not mine. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think too, it's, you know, one of the things that I do, I used to do, especially with a lot of my parents and I, and I do even more so now with professionals that I work with is really giving scripts for how to stand up for yourself too, yeah. which is when someone gives you advice that maybe you don't need, or maybe makes you feel uneasy to say, you know, I appreciate you saying that. However, I didn't really like how you said it to me, or I really wish that you wouldn't label my child right away. Or I did not like that. You just went ahead and started talking about my parenting without asking any questions. Would you like to know who I am as a parent before you start telling me this, like to really speak up with that voice. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be easier with teachers and people on the street. I think it could be harder when we're dealing with friends and family members who may have to be in our lives for childcare purposes or for financial support or for whatever reason, we feel sometimes that, oh, I have to let grandma talk mess to me because she takes care of the kids. Or I have to let my mom say whatever because she helped me, she helps me pay for childcare and really learning how to say, I know you're helping us and I really appreciate it, but I appreciate it also if you asked, or I'd appreciate it also if you came to me before you made that decision with my child or before you make that judgment about me, yeah. you know, and things like that. Learning how to also speak up for yourself, I think helps increase that shame proof resiliency of your parenting because you're not just taking things because you think you deserve to take it or you think that person has a right to say it to you for whatever reason, but you're sticking up for yourself and your family and saying, you know, this doesn't feel good when you do this to me or when you say this to me. Yeah, yeah. So, so important to have to learn to have that voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you had a, you know, are there tips that you would feel like would be important takeaways for mm -hmm. parents who are in the midst of all of this parent shaming? <laughs> One of the things that I would say is probably the the biggest takeaway, and we didn't really get into it a little bit, is really finding your tribe of people in your village. Mm. I think that really gives you a space of respite and rest that when the world and your family kind of, you know, beats you up and you're just kind of down on your last leg there, I think it's really good to have that supportive tribe of people who can say, we're here, you can close your eyes for a minute, you can rest, you can vent, and we will not say anything and we will not judge you unless you want some advice, unless you want something. And I think it's something that in today's world, because of the internet, we sometimes forget to actually see people face to face and reach out to people. But I think it's so important when you're parenting to find people that you can physically touch, that you can go to their home or they can come to yours, or you can go to a meetup place together and just talk and just realize that you're not alone. Mm. Um, so I would say my biggest thing, if you're trying to deal with shame, you're trying to deal with what's going on in your family is to really find that tribe of people who are supportive of you, who always have your back, who will let you vent or cry or just kind of be fully human without trying to make you a better person or without trying to give you all the parenting advice. Yeah, that sounds like so important. So yeah. important. Yeah, just finding that real connection that feels like they see you and hear you without yeah. that yeah. judgment. Yes. Awesome. So how do people find you and um, your website and your podcast and your book? Uh, so you can find me at shameproofparenting.com. And that's pretty much the main hub for me, where if you want anything from my services, um, my online shop, my social media, you can start there. My book is on there as well. Um, and I'm also all over the internet as Mer either Mercedes Samudio or Shameproof Parenting. So if you search any of the uh, social media sites for those one of those two names, you should be able to find me and follow me. 
Awesome. Are there other resources you feel like it would be important for people to know about? Um, in terms of just like parenting in general? Yeah, or- yeah, sure. But I, you know, I often, other than my book, there are there are certain books that I think are really good. I like uh, books by Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson. So mm. any of those books that you find, um, and then Dr. Shafali also has like a conscious parenting um, kind of idea and framework that I think is really uh, useful and helpful. So those are two other authors that if you're into reading and you, you would love to read parenting books but want the ones that are actually going to be helpful and not just filler, those are two are three authors that I think if you look for their books, uh, you will feel supported and it won't shame you even mm. more so <laughs> yes the world can sometimes oh my gosh so true and you said the conscious parenting person what's their name again dr shafali dr shafali awesome all right well i will include all of those resources in the show notes uh but mercedes i really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us again today and um all this great information on parent shaming and how to shame proof your own parenting. It feels like really important stuff. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mercedes about shame proof parenting. My takeaway was that women or female identifying people may be entering into parenting with a lot of shame that they're already holding whether it's around body type or appearance or femininity, that it can contribute to the shame you may have as a parent. And you may not even recognize it. So doing your own work is so, so important. Shame can really be so destructive, but it can also be a guiding light as into the things that are hurt and wounded and need healing within yourself. So tuning into that shame and better understanding it can provide a lot of healing and growth. Uh, Just a reminder, my mindfulness groups for women will begin in September, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. You can find more information at womanwarriors.com in the show notes progressioncounseling.com. If you'd like more information than you're finding there, feel free to contact me. Go to my website, either website, hit the contact button and send me an email if you'd like to be a part of the Woman Warriors Mindfulness Groups for Women. Have a wonderful week. Ciao for now from this Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.